Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. It's really amazing to me that you're heading into a matchup this Sunday between two teams that are 5-8, and eight, and while they're both mathematically alive, one team has a legitimate pulse. I cannot believe that the Carolina Panthers are 5-8, and eight, not only still alive in their division, but they control their own destiny in the division right now. They have a win over Tampa Bay, who leads the division right now, and they have another game to play against the Buccaneers. And Jacob... If the Panthers beat the Steelers this weekend and the Bengals beat the Buccaneers, which is pretty likely to happen, right. even though it's in Tampa Bay, the Panthers are in they're first, in first place. place right now. They're in first. They're in sole possession. Of they're first in sole place. possession of yeah. first place, heading into Week 16 with three games to go. And this is a team that the Steelers are facing on Sunday that started out the year one in five, fired their head coach. Traded their best player to the San Francisco 49ers. And, then and what's happened since then? They've gone the quarterback four too. and released their quarterback, even though he's been sucking. Right, but still. All they've done since trading Christian McCaffrey, starting 1-5, and five, firing their head coaches, go 4-3 and three and resurrect their season. Go it, All they granted, do is go 4-3. and three. You know, we're talking about the Chiefs who have rattled off all these wins. We're talking about— Oh, come on. No, I'm just, no, 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 no. I just don't get me wrong. You know, you're always impressed with a team like— like the Lions, right? The Lions who started what one and five, and now they're six and eight. Yeah, but did the Lions trade their best player away? No, but you know you're always impressed with this team that has like one win through the first eight weeks, and then all of a sudden they have seven wins in the next eight weeks. And we're talking about the Carolina Panthers, like there's some miracle team. They are. Because they go four and three. They just, the, dude, they fired their head coach and they've traded their best player. They wanted to get the number one overall pick in the draft and they've they've won more than they've lost since then. They've been Again, in better form than wrong, the Steelers I'm not lately. downplaying what they've accomplished. It's just funny to me because that NFC South is so bad, right? Say say this was the Buccaneers team of last year, right? And you had them going 12 and five or 11 and six or or 13 and 4. We would not be talking about the Carolina Panthers at all. It's just because that division I'd be is saying such it. dog crap. No you wouldn't. This week I'd be saying that they're 4 and 3 and noticing how much better they've played since making those massive changes to the I don't think I would because that's if, why if you're, there was that's a why team you're worse that was, than me. Okay. <laughs> if there was a team actually in front for this division rather than every single one of them being under 500 entering week 15, then yes, I understand the hype around the Panthers and, and the potential given that all that's happened for the for them this season, firing the head coach, trading away McCaffrey. But 
still, I just feel like we're putting a spotlight on them because this division is so bad. You really have no idea who's going to win it. I do. You think it's Carolina? I think they're the best team in the division right now. And I think they're playing. I have, like, I have absolutely. I would have assumed it'd be like the Saints second to the Bucks. I think I think Carolina's defense is the best unit in that division. You look at all eight units, you know, offense, defense on both, on every team. I think Carolina's defense has been playing better than anybody in that division. And I think Carolina's just in better form right now than any other team. And they have found a true identity. And that's what worries me about this Steelers game coming up on Sunday because the Steelers yielded 223 yards on the ground to the Ravens last week and well, like 165 or something like that to the Falcons the week prior. It's been over 300-plus yards in the Steelers' past two performances. Carolina, ever since Steve Wilkes has taken over and ever since they've traded Christian McCaffrey away, have said, we are running the football at a high volume no matter what. If they mm-hmm. gain two yards a carry, if they gain five yards a carry— it doesn't matter. These running backs, these quarterbacks, these receivers on on sweeps, on creative plays, we're running the ball 40-plus times. They ran it 40-plus times last week against Seattle, won the football game. Uh, no running back had a bigger run than 16 yards. Donald had a 26-yard run for their biggest hitter. But it was, wasn't that they were hitting home runs like crazy to get to the you know 200-yardage mark that they hit against Seattle. They just kept running for 40-plus, plus, oh, my God, that was terrible, for 40-plus times. And that kind of volume running is something that worries me because we just saw the Steelers play a team that kind of has that same principle, or at least did, with their backup and then third-string quarterback in the game. Well, hey, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. And the Steelers couldn't stop it early. They couldn't stop it late. You heard things from Tomlin about how the defense got worn down. It's kind of the same story that you're looking at this week with Carolina. If your defense got worn down against the Ravens' offensive line and Mm -hmm. them deciding to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, if you don't correct that, very similar thing's going to happen this week against Carolina. Yeah, I mean— we know how many yards now. It's it's we're on Wednesday. I mean, the focus has been on Carolina really for the last two, if not three days. We know how much they they've run the ball really in the last couple of weeks, especially last week running the ball for over two hundred yards. I'm not talking about Baltimore. I'm talking about Carolina, right? I mean, this is not a team that you think of would be a run friendly team, uh, given that they traded away Christian McCaffrey. No, I mean, even without him, they're still running the ball. Pretty effectively, and that's the that's the right thing to do for them because I don't know if I would really trust the ball in Sam Darnold's hands, right? Would you, Tom? No, you don't, and that's the thing that I think is something they've realized more than anything is they know who their quarterback is now. Yeah. And he hasn't thrown any interceptions, but they're making the game really easy for him, and they're moving him a, a, a lot. Like, you'll see in this game, there won't be many times where Darnold drops back to pass, five-step drop, stand in the pocket. He's a lot, he's moving, he's bootlegging, he's getting away from pressure, he's on the move. So, no, they don't trust him, and they shouldn't trust him. Yeah, he's not the most mobile quarterback, but he does, like you mentioned, had the longest run uh, of the day last week against Seattle. Uh, So he does get involved, so that could be a threat to play action, possibly, if they do want to put the ball in his hands. Like you said, like he he didn't turn the ball over against Seattle. He's not the most elite passer. He's not the most accurate passer, but... The fact that Carolina was able to play in Seattle and get that win, I don't – I mean, this is Seattle, Tom. I mean, I know we're talking about Carolina, who is also fighting for a playoff spot, but 
See, I don't know who's fallen out of the playoff race or out of the playoff position uh, given their last couple of games. I was very impressed with Carolina. I'm not going to lie. And I know we just kind of spent the first couple of minutes saying, oh, it's Carolina. Like, I had no real I had no real faith in Carolina. But to go into Seattle and, and come away with a win there when you needed one, just like you emphasized, because they really are fighting for a playoff spot. This is a team that's going to be playing probably more desperately, Tom, than the Steelers are. I mean, I mean. Oh, yeah. They're still alive. Like you said, both teams are still alive, but the but one that has the real pulse yeah. is Carolina. So, I mean, if you want to, or if last week against Baltimore was any indication of how real this this run defense is for for Pittsburgh, right? I know, <laughs> I know, people. Real. <laughs> I know people have been saying all season, yeah, they they have a top ten u- a unit, but look at the teams they've played against, no real threats, and now you had Baltimore kind of expose them. They dropped from six. Uh, 6th to 15th, and that number could go down even further if Carolina has an equally successful day. And if I'm the Panthers, I'm watching that film against the Absolutely. Ravens. Absolutely. Well, we love to run the ball, and this is a good formula to win this game, so Absolutely. let's just double down on it. Uh, Ravens last week did some unique things as far as running the football, mainly having a 350-pound fullback that runs like a gazelle just absolutely bully people. I mean— that's, I don't want to say unfair, but it's a little unfair. You can't have a guard <laughs> that moves like that and play fullback. It's a great advantage that the Ravens have. The Panthers will have an advantage in that they are not bashful as far as putting beef up front. They go jumbo package, which is six-plus offensive linemen, the third most in the NFL. Only Cleveland and Detroit do that. And last week, Jacob, against the Seahawks in the first quarter, they had an a package that had eight offensive linemen on the field at the same time. They called it the Arby's package. Mm. <laughs> First time all year someone's put eight offensive linemen on the field. I love it. That's just yeah, totally not? falling That's... back into your identity right. and saying, hey, even though we're tipping our hand that we're going to run the ball here with not eight offensive to... linemen, How you, are can't you, stop stop you can't stop us with it. eight offensive linemen on the field. Especially if you're not a good run defense like the Steelers have shown the past couple of weeks. So... I want first of all, I want to see Arby's package in this game because eight eight offensive. You want to see it used against the Steelers? I, just because when's the last time you really see that in the NFL? Right. That yeah, looks like an Army Navy game out there with everybody just in tight. Right. So I, I think it'd be funny to see Arby's come out once or twice, but it just shows you that you know teams recognize what their identity is and they build their team and they utilize their scheme around their identity. The Ravens with a great roster addition of Patrick Ricard, who's been a, a an unbelievable. Uh, plow like a snow plow Mm -hmm. in front of their running backs and their quarterbacks uh since he's been in baltimore and the panthers and steve wilkes just totally saying hey you know what we've used four different quarterbacks this year and guess what the common denominator is with all of them they all suck so let's not try to use the quarterback anymore let's just put eight offensive linemen up there and run this damn thing it's working for them so you see teams that know what their identity is kind of lean into it I think that's a problem with the Steelers' offense. Doesn't that kind of frustrate you? They can't lean into anything. No. I mean, all preseason long, you had George Pickens be the absolute star. George Pickens, who was going into the preseason, Tom, was, we know the number, it was something like he was the 25th favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He finished tied for first with Kenny Pickett at the end of the preseason. Because of the preseason he had. Based on how splashy, how talented he looked, or the splash plays he looked that he made that, emphasize his talent throughout that preseason and now week after week we're seeing here 
Steven Sims is going to have more targets, or Gunnar Olszewski will have equal amount of targets, or, you know, Anthony McFarlane will have equal amounts of snaps on the field. It's just, they are not doing, I mean, there's, I think every team can can look at themselves in the mirror and say, this is our identity, this is our formula to win a game on offense. And for some reason, the Steelers just overthink it. And I'm not bashing Anthony McFarlane or Benny Snell because we know how good of a day they had a couple of weeks ago. But there's no reason to say, oh, well, that worked one time. Let's just kick the tire or let's just run the tracks on this one until the tires fall off. Until we know it's not going to work anymore and just put George Pickens on the sidelines. I mean, I know people weren't a fan of his little antics on the sidelines when after that Deontay Johnson uh, fumble that was ruled incomplete, luckily for the Steelers. But I understand where he's coming from, dude. He is so talented, and he's just being told, you're not just second fiddle, you're third, maybe fourth fiddle, some some of these plays that we're drawing. And I think that there's a lack of trust as far as maybe giving him a more expanded route tree. I think we're starting to Mm -hmm. see that as a criticism that people are starting to levy around is, yeah, he's not the best route runner, but does that mean you have to limit him to just being on the sideline running go balls? And you never really see him use the middle of the field. Mm-mm. And I have to imagine that's by design. Uh, what receiver doesn't want to go into the middle of the field, especially someone as talented as he is? And I know for a fact he would go into the middle of the field in Georgia when he was healthy. Um, so a little bit head-scratching as far as maybe – what they let him do playbook-wise, what they ask him to do route-tree-wise, maybe they need to expand that a little more. But you saw it on the play where Mitch hit him on the sideline for 42 yards. Yeah. Just throw the ball up. He's going to mm-hmm. catch it. And, dude, he he caught it and then just, like, stood there with the ball. Like, he was mm-hmm. like he was uh, Rafiki holding Simba <laughs> up over the mountain for the, all of the pride to see. Like, he just had it, and, like, the guy was still clawing at his right. shoulder, and he was just like, get off me, little boy. He, did, like, he, he took that casual step out of bounds, and it was just kind of like, yeah, man, you're exactly. not getting you're he not getting his this arms ball. up to the air and his shoulders like shrugging. Like, you're not gonna get this ball if I'm if I'm also here. Whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal for me. This is this is light work. So I kind of understand that it's a receiver that a the route trees are not really designed to get him wide open. And even if they were, he's not exactly that kind of route runner. Like he's not a Deontay. He's not surgical with it. Mm-hmm. I kind of get why Kenny Pickett avoids throwing the passes that you saw Mitch throw to him on that 42-yard bomb because he really isn't open there. That's a lot of trust on, A, you're going to put the ball in the right spot, and B, that your receiver's going to come down and catch it. And I think Kenny trusts Pickett to do the the B part of it, but does Pickett trust himself yet to check the A box and say, I'm going to put this ball in the right place, or am I going to throw it a little too low, a little too inside, and is the defender going to be able to get position on George and break it up or god forbid get an interception i mean they've been drilling in his head not to throw interceptions since the bye week and i think that's kind of it's been a good thing overall but there's been some bad to it where i think there's moments where he decides not to go to george he decides maybe not to go to pat in the middle of the field because they're not college open Mm -hmm. they're nfl open though and you have to be able to trust yourself to put the ball in a spot where only he can get it and that's what Mitch did on that 42-yarder. Yeah, but one time. And, and, and you then kinda... he also tried to put the ball where he thought only his receiver could get it a couple more times, and the defending team ended up getting it. So yeah. you kind of saw why Kenny was avoiding those throws. I, I heard someone make the comment that the Baltimore Ravens had as many receptions off of Steelers quarterbacks as George Pickens did on Sunday. That's true. Three and three. Yeah. 
I do. They need. They need to get him more involved in the game. I mean, it. It. Like when it, people always like to say, "How about when AB would complain?" Right. He did it. I'm sure there was some of it that was like, "I want my numbers." But he truly believed that the best way for those Steelers teams to win was for him to go for 150 yards and two touch two touchdowns. And I think he was right. And I kind of think, even though he's a rookie, George Pickens is right here too. Well, Their you know best the weird, chance to win the, is if he goes for 100 yards and scores a touchdown. Like he needs to be the focal point of the offense because it's clear Najee Harris isn't going to be the focal point this year. You, as an offense, said that against the Ravens when right. they were stopping the run in the first half, and you, as Canada and the offense, just decided to throw your hands up and say, we're not going to run the ball anymore. Forget it. You know what's odd about the A-B comparison is A-B came out of, what, Central Michigan? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, Central Michigan. That's right. He was a Chippewa. He was a six-round draft pick. George Pickens came from defending national championship a national championship team in Georgia, was a second-round pick. Could have been a first-round pick, Tom. If Could have people... been the first receiver taken off the board. Right. If he was healthy and didn't have character red flags. So everyone's saying, well, look at A.B. He didn't do that until all, all those years down the road when he was superstar talent. Well, is it George Pickens' fault that he was better coming out of college, that he's more talented in his first year than A.B. was in his first couple of years in the NFL? Of course not. Is it his fault? No, so I don't understand why, you know— Given the town that you see, right? If Antonio Brown did that in his rookie year or his sophomore season, right, when he had, I think, a combined one or two touchdowns in his first two years in the NFL. Now, I know George Pickens doesn't have that many either, but A.B., the the, the touchdown beast, the reception beast, the yard, uh, the yard or yak beast, right, that we knew in his final seasons in Pittsburgh, wasn't the same guy that you saw in 2010, 2011, 2012, maybe even 2013. He wasn't that same person. He developed. He trained. He practiced. We knew his 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 work ethic that got him to be the, the all-pro talent he was year after year. But again, I, so I don't understand the argument when people say like, oh, well, A.B. didn't do that till later on. Well, I'm sorry that George Pickens is better now than A.B. was in his rookie year. And it's clear when AB was a rookie, there were other receivers here that were. There was, ahead I mean, of Mike him. Wallace was still on the team. Hines Ward, Ward was, was still, still on the team. team. Emmanuel like, Sanders was still. He there. He was just a punt returner. Keith Miller was still there. And now you look at the team, and especially after trading Claypool, Pickens at worst is your number two receiver, and he's shown more potential to be a number one this year than Deontay has. Now, Deontay has more of a track record of potentially being a number one than George, but... And and the fact that Deontay... But George has a 100-yard season under his belt, or a 100-yard game, game under his belt. George has a touchdown under his belt. But Deontay, Deontay hasn't still scored, leads, and Deontay hasn't gotten 100 yards. Right, but Deontay still leads George in targets, receptions, and yards. Yes, he does. And I think that's more on the Steelers and where they're deciding to focus the ball in the offense more than it's on George or the quarterbacks. I think it's a game plan to get the ball to Deontay. And I think that's been kind of a message since a couple of weeks ago when Deontay was, you know, I I think his frustrations kind of reached that boiling point. George has kind of served as a distraction from Deontay now because people are kind of focused Mm -hmm. on George's frustration and him complaining and then only getting three targets again after only having two targets but having a great play. Where Deontay, yeah, he had 82 yards, but... It's another 13 straight games without scoring a touchdown now and another game in this season where you haven't gotten 100 yards. And two or three weeks ago, I said I I really think it's impossible for him to knock it over the century mark one time this season. 
The Sands are running through that hourglass really fast. There's three games left, four games left. And I, I really am starting to scratch my head if he will ever get to that plateau, if he will get to that 100-yard game. Well, there's only four weeks left, Tom, just like you said. It uh, doesn't look good. It, the, the opponents are not ideal, right? I mean, and, and, your, and your circumstances, too. I mean, when you think about it, you have no idea who's going to start a quarterback this week for you. Uh, so you would have assumed with Kenny starting healthy, Carolina could have been an easy team to kind of let Deontay eat for the first time all season. Uh, the Raiders, you have always, like as you say, a bogey team, the boogeyman for this Steelers team, so you have no idea there. You saw what the Ravens did shutting down the Steelers just a week ago, and then the Browns. I mean, the Browns could be playing their asses off in Week 18 for a playoff spot. I mean, I don't know if that's actually going to happen for them, but... The Browns are going to try to. I mean, the Browns and Steelers hate each other. They're not just going to fold over and say, "Oh, yeah, let's let's let Deontay have a big game." And I think the Browns are playing for next year more than they might be this year. They want Deshaun to get up to speed yeah. as fast as possible. So, if you're looking for a Week 18, maybe you know two teams go through the motions because they're eliminated. I don't think Cleveland is going to oblige there because they're looking ahead and they want to get as much game reps as they can for their quarterback that missed two years in a row. And then, honestly, the Steelers aren't going to oblige either because they want to get as many game reps as they can for Kenny if he's healthy. And they want him to get as much um, game action as possible so that he can take that next leap in 2023. So I don't think you're going to see either team sleepwalk, even if they are no. completely mathematically out of it. No, I, I agree. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, one thing I do want to touch on is something that has been gaining traction this week, and we talked about a little bit on Monday, is who's the quarterback if Kenny can't play Mm -hmm. this Sunday. I'm firm that it should be Mitch. I think you think it should be Mitch. Yeah. I don't really understand why they're cracking the door open for Mason. Mason. I don't understand why Tomlin added fuel to that fire yesterday (laughs) by saying he's not going to commit to naming a starter. I know the three interceptions were ugly, but there's nothing in that game that made you say, oh, that dude's Duck Hodges. He shouldn't even be playing in the NFL. Like, backup quarterbacks come in and throw three interceptions in this league. That happens all the time. Do you look the part? Do you look like at least an NFL quarterback while you throw those interceptions? Mitch did. And again, maybe if you're eight and five, you really have to take a long look at does Mason protect the ball more in this game against Carolina? You know, our team is built on defense and and possessing the football. That's how we've gotten our wins post bye week. Does Mason give us a better chance to not throw red zone turnovers? Maybe you make this. You're five and eight. You're pretty much out of it. 
you know what you have in Mason. He's probably going to be gone next year anyway. I, I just don't see the real logical reason why you would put him in at quarterback, why you would give him that chance. If if only just being, hey, you've kind of been screwed over. You you want to get a chance to play quarterback this week because you know Mitch didn't look that great and Kenny's still hurt. So maybe it should be. Maybe we'll give you a fair shake at this, and you can put some tape out there for some teams in the free agent market next year. I mean, I don't feel like the NFL is really a a favor business like that. So I I don't see any real reason why you switch from Mitch to Mason. Yeah, I think just the continuity factor too. I mean, Mason hasn't taken a snap with the first teams ever. Maybe a training at camp all. a couple of weeks, yeah. but that's it. So you'd be going back to August, and it's late December now, right? I mean, we're we're entering the third week of December here. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of like a Tomlin thing, I think. Adding fuel to the fire, creating a story out of thin air. I mean... I don't know if he created the story out of thin air. No, it's no, I'm not there. saying he did, but the story kind of was, and then he added fuel to that fire by commenting on it. You know, how many times have you seen Tomlin say, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Right, I just don't know. I just feel like he could have just been like, it's Mitch, and moved yeah, on. Yeah, that's and... what I'm saying. How many times have you seen him just ig- not necessarily ignore a question, but kind of uh, dismiss it because it's something that was not even on his radar, and he gave a little more attention to it than you would have expected, and that's why now people are having this conversation. I mean, again, like you go back to who they are as players. Like, Mason was drafted as a backup quarterback. Mitch was selected as a number two overall pick to help a franchise in the immediate future. Mitch was brought in to Pittsburgh ahead of Mason, right? When he was signed by the Steelers, it was no question that Mitch was going to be your number one over Mason. So why now, because of a bad game, are you going to say, oh, well, it's Mason? I'll do, I'll do this, Tom. When Kenny Pickett threw those three interceptions in the second half against the Jets in his first co- time playing with the Steelers when he started that second half, did people say, oh, well, he threw three interceptions, time to go back to Mitch? Absolutely not. Or time to go to Mason? No, they didn't. So, and, and you know the hypocrisy, too, here is the fact that how often people in Pittsburgh were saying last year, oh, well, you got to get rid of Mason. He, he's just not doing it for us. Yeah, exactly. That's what bothers me the most. And now too. you have them, all those same They're people next year saying, well, him. I don't want Mitch, so let's put Mason in there. And that's what really stinks about sports fandom in general. It's very short-term memory when it comes to what oh, yeah. their agendas oh, yeah. were just a year ago. You're right. They couldn't wait to drive Mason Rudolph to the— Hell, dude, even when uh, the Steelers picked Kenny Pickett and you had Pickett and Trubisky on the roster, there were people calling radio shows saying, well, you trade Mason now, right? Like, you can get Mason out of there. You don't need Mason at right. all. You don't, we know what you don't Mason have to go is. back a year ago. You can go back a couple of months. And now it's, oh, well, it's he's April. the best option. Put him in. Mitch stinks. Let's have Mason run out there and see what he can do. He's better than both of the. He's better than Mitch Trubisky. It's not what you were saying just a few weeks ago mm-hmm. when you wanted to trade the guy, or just a few months ago when you wanted to trade the guy. So, and, and quite frankly... The Steelers hadn't looked better between the 20s than they did when Mitch was in the game last week. They were moving the ball up and down the field. Mm-hmm. It's Once just, again, it's just yeah. hard to ever right. have these conversations <laughs> because he threw those three interceptions and there's always that giant-ass butt hanging out there whenever you talk about his performance. Mm-hmm. It's You had three chances to put up points. I mean, those are three field goals. Mm-hmm. That's, and that, that, wins wins you, that wins you the game. Yeah, by... by seven or eight points, honestly, mm-hmm. with the way that the Ravens were playing. Uh, you, you had to take a temperature of the game. It, Mitch came out aggressive. He wanted to win that football game. But you got to kind of take a step back and realize what game you're in. 
Right. You don't need this to. Is his, I mean, and like maybe you don't fault him because this is his first Steelers Ravens game. Doesn't really know how those games are meant to be played. And does he really want to manage the game to impress the free agent market or potential suitors next year? Or does he want to go out and win a football game to protect, right. to impress potential suitors? I think that was in his mind as well. Subscribe right now to the Mike Tomlin Game Day podcast. Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola talks with head coach Mike Tomlin about the upcoming game. New episodes drop every game day, and they're available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. Great stuff from Coach T. Every week he sits down with Labs, so make sure you subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. When we come back, we're going to do the playoff machine. Not that playoff machine. No, 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 no. I've been up late working for the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I have built my own supercomputer. We have run simulations. This thing is going to spit out all seven playoff teams on each side, so we're going to debate, we're going to discuss, and we're going to decide if the computer is right or wrong when we come back. We'll do our own version of the playoff machine next. It's Jacob Brecht and Tom Opferman. You're listening to the Steelers Standard. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.